All right, and good morning to you. We are glad that you are here at Dorisville Badness today. It is quite an unusual day. Uh, you probably noticed that there was nobody on stage but Brother Dave Nave today, and the, the team didn't all decide quit. Um, it, all the stars aligned, and everybody had to be gone this weekend, and we are very grateful for Brother Dave being here. Amen? Give him a round of applause. We are grateful. We are grateful. And you know, I was sitting there, you remember a couple of weeks ago I had that COVID mess going on, and uh, we talked about when I came back, I talked about how that I had to reach a point in my life where I realized that, you know what, I really wanted to preach that day, and God said no. You know, he's sovereign, and God said no, and I realized that Jeremy was the man of the hour. He was there, he was not a fill-in, he was the man that God appointed. And I was sitting there listening to Brother Dave this morning uh, before church even started, and the same thought. I said, you know what, Lord, you, this is what you planned. This is what you planned. And I'm grateful for a man like David who stepped up and uh, led us in worship. And then you did your part. Because I'm standing on the front row and I'm listening to you sing. And you did a good job. You did a good job. So is God good or what? He really, really is. So pray for our, yeah, amen. Our, our team will be back next week, and we're grateful for that. And, of course, we've got the Casingville group gone also. And uh, so we are just excited to be here with you. And I think we have a great message today, not because I'm preaching it, but because of, no pun intended, the truth that we are going to hear. Well, this is about week number three um, in our biblical mindset training, and we're learning to do life through the lens of God's Word. And that's so important in the culture um, that we live in. The first lesson we had, the first sermon we had, we talked about um, taking the oath of office, what it meant to truly follow Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior. And, and I still remember the, the surprise, the, the, the wow factor of him saying, listen, unless you're willing to hate your mom and dad and your wife and children and even your own life, you, you just can't be my disciple. And I'm going, oh, wow. And we learned that day how that, that our love for him is to make all other loves pale to the point they even look like hatred. Wow, what a big, big truth. And then last week, we learned about Satan. We learned about the enemy, that our enemy is not the person sitting next to you, the person you're married to, the person you gave birth to, uh, or the person you work for, that the only enemy is Satan. It's not flesh and blood. It is Satan. He is the enemy, period. And so today, we want to talk about truth, truth. And I realize, I, I do this a lot. As I prepare these messages and start down the path, and I realize today I preach it just how important this message is. And this might well be the keystone message of the entire series, and one that is so desperately needed. Now, our sermon title today is Truth or Dare. And I need to tell you the truth no pun intended. I need to tell you the truth. I don't know a lot about this. I know the kids. It's a game. And in fact, I even I even had to go to Trey Reamer, Reamer and, and I came to this idea. And actually, Barbara, our new secretary, said, what about truth or dare? I said, mm, I don't know. So anyway, so I went and talked to Trey Reamer because I didn't want to say anything bad. I didn't want to reference something, you know, in the title that was like wrong. And, and he assured me, no, 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 it's, 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 it's okay. It's okay. He said, now, now some kids will take this and turn it into something bad. But, but the game itself is not bad. And so here's what you kind of do. If I understand it correctly, um, you're sitting like in a circle. Now, somebody say, man, you know, when I was a teenager and we sat in a circle, we kissed girls. 
Spin the bottle, baby. Spin that sucker. You know, that's what we did. Spin the bottle. You know, well, they, they gave up on that. And they went to truth and da- or dare. And I think it goes something like this, that, you know, you're selected. Okay, where you are. You're selected. And you have the opportunity to choose truth or a dare. Okay? So, so if you choose truth, the person is going to ask you a question, and you've got to tell the truth. Okay? Like, for instance... Okay, in this circle, who is the ugliest person? Yeah, well, that's what they do. Okay, and so you have to tell the truth. All right, so that's one option. The second option is the dare part, and then they can dare you. If you don't want to tell the truth, then you can choose the dare part, and then they'll say something like, um, you know, I dare you to kiss Susie. Okay, and you, that would be the second dare. And so you had to kiss Susie. So that's what they did. Well, that's not what we're going to do with it today. However, this is a good picture of what's going on with us and culture today. You see, we are a people of the truth. We are a people. You're going to hear that over and over and over again today. We're going to drill that into our hearts and minds. We are a people of truth. But here's the deal. Culture is daring us not to be a person of the truth. Culture is daring us to be like them and simply make up truth as they go along. So we have truth or dare, and we have to decide what are we going to do and what are we going to be. Now, Paul writes, you know, we're basing this part of the series on the armor of God. And and like I told you at the beginning, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the armor of God, but we do want to just reference it. And in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14, the first part, okay, Paul says this, stand your ground. Now, this is something, this is a cute saying someone came up with, cannot find a reference for it. But the bottom line is this, if we don't stand for something, we will fall for anything. If we don't stand for something, we will fall. Now listen, that is true in culture, it's true in our nation, but it is true in the church. The church has got to stand its ground because if we don't stand for something, we are going to fall for anything. So stand your ground, and then Paul says, putting on the belt of truth. Now just a quick reference for you. Um, when the Roman soldier would dress in for battle, he would wear a rather like a utility belt around his waist, and it did two things that were very significant. Number one, it held everything together. It held everything together. The, the breastplate would be attached to the belt. His leather skirt would be attached to the belt. Okay, So it held everything together. Now look at me. Here's what you need to know. Is that truth holds everything together for us. Truth is not an option. We are, I've already said it two times, I'll say it the third time. We are a people of truth. Okay? So we have to stand in the truth. The second thing the belt of truth did though was it gave you a place to hook everything. You would, where you would carry things. As an example, you would have a sheath on your belt that, that was for a sword. And you put the word, you put your sword there. So the Roman soldier would have all his utility. And you know what's funny? That carries on now, guys, to today's culture. Now, if you've seen a, a military guy, they wear this utility belt. They got their canteen and they got their flashlight and they got their gas mask on it. A police officer will wear this kind of belt and have you know, his mace and all those different things attached to that. So it's true then. Well, here's, here's what Paul is saying we got to stand our ground and we've got to put on this belt of truth because the truth holds everything together and listen we hinge everything on truth you can't 
go around today saying, well, I believe that because my pastor said, or I believe that because I heard, or I believe because I think that's true. Okay? We have got to anchor our lives and souls on what the Bible says about truth. Now, we want to look at John chapter 18, verse 37 and 38. And this is a, a famous scripture for one reason. You'll see it in just a moment. Jesus is about probably three hours from the cross. About three hours from the cross. And as part of the, of the mock trial he's going through, they drag him and put him in front of Pilate. And they're having this discussion. And so Pilate says, So you are a king? So you are a king? And Jesus responded, well, you say that I am. Now, notice he didn't say I am. He said, you say that I am. But look what he does say. It's very powerful. He says, actually, I was born and came into the world. Now, there's something significant there. Do you see it? Jesus acknowledges his his physical birth as a human. But he also says, I came into the world, implying he came from another world. See, we got to understand and make sure we understand that Jesus existed before he was born uh, here on this earth. Before he was consumed, conceived as a baby in the womb of Mary, he pre-existed in heaven with, with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. So he said, actually, I, I was born and I came into this world to testify to the truth. He came, he said, I came to tell you the truth. I came to tell you the truth about my father. I came to tell you the truth about your sin. I came to tell you the truth about me. And I came to tell you the truth about what my father can do for you. I was born and came to the world to testify the truth. And watch this. This is so important. That was for for Pilate to hear. But this is for us. All who love the truth. All who love the truth. Do you love the truth? Do you love the truth? The truth. Do you love the truth when it's inconvenient? Do you love the truth when it's hard? Do you love the truth when it's embarrassing? Do you love the truth? Well, Jesus said all who love the truth recognize something. They recognize that what Jesus says is true. Now, you need to write that down if you're taking notes. Because that, what, that was true then when he was speaking to Pilate, but it is true today. What Jesus says is truth. Well, what culture always says, obviously, is not true. Okay? Not every preacher speaks what is true. Okay? But Jesus, when he speaks, recognizes that what I say is true. And here's the famous part. This is the part you know. It's where Pilate, who is totally clueless what Jesus is talking about, says, what is truth? What is truth? And that's exactly what's going through culture today. Culture has no clue anymore what truth is. Truth changes as it seems day by day. My goodness, like, you know, they say about the weather in Southern Illinois, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes, it'll change. Hey, if you don't like the truth, don't worry, culture will change in five minutes. What was true five minutes ago may not be true today. What was true yesterday isn't true now. And what's true, what was true now will not be true next week. It's crazy. It's crazy how fast culture is changing what truth is all about. So we want to spend our entire time together talking about this thing called truth. This one, the first quote I've got for you, I just thought it was kind of cool. I thought it was good. And then it actually applies too. It's from Thomas Hobbes. And Thomas Hobbes said, hell is truth seen too late. That's a great definition of hell. 
but also helps us with the truth. And it's true. No pun intended. It's true. It's true. See, because you can put, you put what you want to in there. Um, a broken marriage is truth seen too late. A wayward child that not, was not taught truth, okay, is truth seen too late. Um, your testimony, marred and broken because of your lack of integrity, is truth seen too late. See, see, everything that we, we think about where, where we are opposed to God, where we don't follow God, all that is summed up in hell is truth seen too late. My favorite truth quote, this is about the third time I've used it, and it will not be the last. It was spoken by, by Blaise Pascal. Blaise Pascal. And it is so packed with truth. Um, Blaise said this, um, truth is so obscured nowadays. Now, can I get an amen on that? I mean, truth is so obscure. Again, it's, you know, in, in the eyes of culture, truth changes all the time. Truth changes all the time. It's so obscure. You know, truth, you know, almost truth does not exist in our culture today. At least not in the sense that we used to know it. Truth is so obscure and lies so well established. Oh my goodness, can I have an amen there? Lies are so established, so well established. Okay? And here's the deal. Listen to what he says. You know, truth is so obscured nowadays and lies so well established that unless we love the truth, do you love the truth? Do you love the truth? Unless we love the truth, we shall never recognize it. In other words, unless we are so enamored with truth, unless we, we, we love truth, it's going to get to the point where we can recognize it if we tried. And we're almost there. Fortunately for the believers in Jesus Christ, we have answers. We have answers. This is so true. Now, here's what's crazy. Blaise Pascal died, died in 1669. 1669. He was 39 years old. Brilliant man. These words were spoken 350 years ago. And yet they look like they're speaking about culture. Am I right? It sounds like somebody on the news, Fox News, one of the anchors on Fox News spoke these words and you say, well, well, folks, the truth is, you know, truth is so obscure nowadays and lies so well established that unless we love the truth, we shall never recognize it. And it's like a news anchor, you know, on Fox spoke it last night. It's like some preacher came up with that last week. But it's 350 years because the enemy hates truth. He hated it in 1669 when Pascal died, and he hates it even today. He hates it even today. So our teaching point is this. What is the skinny on truth? What is the skinny on truth? Well, truth has a large, a large focus, a large... Um, path, okay, but it also has a narrow one, a narrow one. Truth has a large scope and a narrow scope, okay, and the broad path, the broad gate, as Jesus would call it, is relative truth. Well, what is relative truth? Relative truth is the belief that truth changes based on one's opinion or understanding, 
This is what we see today in culture. You know, people, you know, you talk to someone and they say, well, that's not my truth. You know, let me tell you, and they'll say, let me tell you about my truth. I, I wish I had time to snag it. And I, I had too much spaghetti already cooked for this message, too much material. And, and so, but there was a, a famous liberal woman who quoted and she says, you have no right to tell me what my truth is. That's the way culture is. That's the way they are. They, they write the truth as they see it right then. That is the problem with culture. If you don't know what's wrong with America, we can't recognize truth. We choose not to recognize truth. Relative truth is the belief that truth changes, and it does in their eyes, based on one's opinion or understanding. While relative truth has its place, and there are times when relative truth is just fine. I, I happen to believe that Judy's beautiful. Okay, That's truth to me. You may say, well, I don't think she is. Well, you, because you're blind, but anyway, okay, because you're blind. But anyway, so, so well, the truth has its place, but here's the deal. It can never replace absolute truth. Relative truth is the broad, narrow is absolute truth, absolute truth. Now, now the truth also is, no pun intended, the truth is, you know, absolute truth is very painful, but it's essential. Absolute truth can be painful. There are things that, that the absolute truth of God's word says that are painful. But it is essential. Now look at me. If you are a Christ follower, if you're a Christ follower, you have got to embrace, embrace the absolute truth of God's word, even if it's painful. Even if it's painful. Um, I try to give reference to people when I make these quotes, I get these quotes, and this one simply said, unknown. But it's just so good. He said, it's better... To speak the truth that hurts and then heals, then falsehood that comforts and then kills. Isn't that a good one, Jackie? Isn't that a good one? Let's read it again. It's better to speak the truth that hurts and then heals than falsehood that comforts and then kills. Let me give you great, two great examples. The first is this, Romans 6.23. It is a scripture from God's word that hurts and then heals. The payment, the wages... For sin is death. The truth is that without Christ, without grace, without forgiveness applied to our life, okay, all of us are spiritually dead and condemned to hell. That's a painful truth. But it's a truth that heals because the rest of that verse says that the payment for sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there is a truth that hurts that I am separated and condemned to hell, but God loved me so much, he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on a Roman cross because the payment for sin was death. He died on a Roman cross taking my place and paying the price for my sin. It's painful it's painful, but it heals. Well, Dwayne, what is this thing with falsehood that comforts and kills? Here it is. I heard it this week somewhere. A loving God would never allow anyone to go to hell. A loving God would never allow anyone to go to hell. It, was, it came as a quote from a national denomination. And they simply believe this, that God was so loving that everyone ultimately gets to go to heaven. What a waste of a Roman cross. What a waste of God's amazing grace, if that was true. 
But guess what? It is a falsehood. And it may make you feel better today. Oh, it's good to know that God would never allow me to go to hell. But guess what it's ultimately going to do? It's going to kill you spiritually because it's false. You know, we said this week, God sends no man to hell. He just simply grants their wishes. And there's only one thing that will send you to hell, and it's not your denomination or your religion or how well, you, how well you practice that. What will send you to hell is your rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what sends men and women to hell, the rejection of Jesus Christ. Don't forget that truth. When you're out there talking to your friends and say, well, you're not a Baptist, so you're not going to make it. You're a Catholic, so you won't make it. And you do this, so you won't make it. There's only one thing we need to concern ourselves. Does that person know Jesus? That's one thing you need to concern yourself with. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? So our teaching point is this. Absolute truth is absolute truth. Play on words. Absolute truth is absolutely true. Regardless. Regardless. Um, Dieter Altdorf, and again, I look these people up and check them out. Okay, he's a scholar, but I love what he said. Okay? Absolute truth is not dependent upon public opinion or popularity. Okay? Now again, once again, whatever's selling, whatever's selling, the, whatever, whatever the news is selling this day, whatever the government is selling this day, you know, that's what people are buying. It can be a lie straight from hell, but that's what they're buying. But absolute truth does not depend upon public opinion. It doesn't matter what the news channels are saying. It doesn't matter what the White House is saying. It doesn't matter what we're saying. Absolute truth does not depend upon public opinion or popularity. And then I love this. He goes, well, what is this truth then? What is absolute truth? Well, absolute truth is his gospel. And just so he made sure we understood exactly what that meant, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Absolute truth in its purest form is the gospel. Are you writing this down? The gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're a Christ follower, you need to clearly understand absolute truth is the, is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so Jesus himself addresses this in John chapter 14 and verse number 6. And I wrote it this way. Truth is Jesus and Jesus is truth. Truth is Jesus, and Jesus is truth. You, you, I think, you know, set up for this. The boys, had, you know, were kind of discouraged, you know, and, and Jesus tells them there's a mansion waiting for them and all that. And if it wasn't so, I would have told you. And then, and then Jesus said this. He said, now listen, you know where I'm going, and you know the way. And Thomas was honest enough, or I guess he raised his hand, being polite, and said, Jesus, one, we don't know where you're going, and number two, we don't know how to get there. And that's when Jesus said this amazing scripture that's just full of truth. Jesus told him, Thomas, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Now, when he said, I am the way, now watch, watch, watch. Now it's fixing to get real unpopular, okay? Jesus is saying boldly that I am the only pathway to God. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not one of many. I'm not a pathway to God. I am the only way to God. Now, can I just be candid with you? You start talking this in today's culture, and you're going to get some pretty quirky looks. 
What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean Jesus? How unfair is that? What do you mean Jesus is the only way? You actually believe that, that God would say there's only one way to heaven? Not only do we believe it, He did. He said it. Now notice what He didn't say. Notice what He didn't say. He didn't say religion. He didn't say church. He didn't say people who halfway get it right. He said, I am the way. Faith in me, believing in me, is the way to heaven. I am the way, and I am the truth. And I, I will speak the truth to you about the fact that you are a sinner, and you are separated from God, and that, and that the only way back to God is through me. I am the road. I am the path to God through believing in me. And listen, I am life. If you really want to start living, you start living with me. The moment you put your faith and trust in me, you really start discovering what life is all about. It's not toys and, and you know, whizzes going off. It's not stuff you buy at Walmart or Sears or Amazon. It's me. Life is found there. He said, I am the way, the truth, and life. And just to be clear, he said, no one comes to the Father. No one comes to the Father but by me. Like I told you, that's, that's just unpopular. I mean, you will get some strange looks when you start sharing this with your friends. I think I have a little answer for you. It's in our teaching point. You know, again, saying it over and over again to nail it down. The truth is Jesus is truth. The truth is Jesus is truth. And he is the only way to heaven. Here's what I want you to be prepared to share. It is both narrow and broad in its scope. You know, Jesus said, you know, seek out the narrow gate. A few there be to find it, but you, you seek out the narrow gate. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Well, what about the Buddhists? Jesus is the only way to heaven. What about the Hindus? Jesus is the only way to heaven. What about the Islam religion? Jesus is the only way to heaven. Well, let's just come at home. What about the Mormons? Jesus is the only way to heaven. What about these Baptists who think they can be good enough to go to heaven? Jesus is the only way to heaven. He is the only way. It's a narrow scope. And that, that's what people go, that's just not fair. That's not right. But then you give them this. And broad in his scope. Here's what Jesus did. You know, God sent Jesus again to the earth. He dies on a Roman cross. He pays the price and becomes the way to heaven. And then, he's, then God says this. Everybody's welcome. That's the broad part. Everybody's welcome. You know, if God said only white people, only black people, only Baptists, only Methodists, only Catholics, that wouldn't be fair. That'd be narrow. That'd be an unfair narrow. He didn't do that. He says, every one of you guys have sinned. Every one of you have offended me. I'm going to send Jesus, my son, to die for you so the price can be paid and everybody's invited to the party. Everybody's invited to the party. Everybody's invited to the party. Amen. Amen, that's right. That's right. Now listen, what we got to do is quit excluding people. Because they don't agree, if they don't agree with our politics, they, we don't agree with their lifestyle, we don't agree with what church they go to, we want to exclude people. God is not an excluder, He's an includer. That's what grace is all about. He, for goodness sake, He included us. He included us. How amazing, how amazing that. It's narrow, but it's broad in its scope. And when you find him and he finds you, you will find life and peace and freedom. Wow. That's why truth is so important. So Jesus is truth and truth is Jesus. 
Don't be afraid to share that in the culture. Be sure to include the narrow part. Tell the truth. No pun intended. And be sure and tell the everybody's invited part. That God wants to forgive people of their sins. Truth is also freedom. This is found in John chapter 8, verse 32. And, and we're going to transition now because, you know, truth is, a, you know, truth is truth. Truth is a person, and that person also is the Word. Hang with me. Hang with me. Look at John 8, 32. You will know, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When you know Jesus, that truth will set you free. Amen? We know the truth. Over, over in John chapter 8, verse 36. So if the Son, so if the Son sets you free, you really will be free. And the amazing part is, you know, the truth is a person in the person of Jesus Christ. But that truth is also the Word. The Word. Listen to this. This is from John 1, 1 and verse 14. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Now watch this. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only son of God filled with grace and truth. And filled with truth. So, so when, when Jesus says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free, he's talking about a person. He's talking about himself. But he's talking about the power of the word of God because he is and was the word of God. Amen? It's amazing. You know, in John 17, 17, and, you know, this is the big prayer. This is like the, you know, if there's Sermon of the Mount, it's the greatest sermon. John 17 is the greatest prayer. Okay? Here's what he said. Talking to God, sanctify them by the truth. Father, sanctify these people, us, the church, by your truth. And here's what he says. Your word is truth. So if we need to find, come on, if we need to find truth in this world, in this culture, in, in a culture that's so crazy upside down, what's true today won't be true tomorrow. They couldn't spell truth then we've got to give them truth. And we don't give them what you think truth is. And you don't have to go tell them my truth. You've got to share the truth. Straight from the word of God. Now here's a quote from Burke Parsons. Burke Parsons. And he says, God's word doesn't merely contain truth. It's not, like, it's not like, you know, God's word has a little bit of truth here and a little bit of truth there, like a smorgasbord of truth and untruth, truth and untruth. No, no. God's word doesn't merely contain truth. It is truth. You can trust the word of God. You can trust the word of God. It is truth. It defines truth. If you're trying to say, well, Dwayne, what is truth in this crazy world we're living in? Where do I find truth? My dear brother, my dear sister, my dear friend, it's the word of God. This is where you find truth. I know Fox News is the best news channel and certainly so much better than than CNN and ABC and CBS and NBC and anyone else. But this is your source of truth. This is truth. Turn to it, believe it, and trust it. It defines, it defines what truth is. In fact, listen to 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is inspired by God. 
All Scripture. That means Old Testament. I know, I know Jesus came to fulfill the law, okay? But that does not exclude the Old Testament from being the Word of God. All Scripture is inspired by God. That includes the Old Testament. There's some powerful promises and powerful truth and powerful principles that we find in the Old Testament. So, so all Scripture, Old Testament, all Scripture, New Testament is inspired by God. And guess what? The parts I like, that's inspired by God. And the parts I don't, that's inspired by God. The part where we say, I don't believe that, it's still the inspired word of God. I disagree with that. It's still the inspired word of God. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful, useful to teach us. Look at it. Look at it. Teach us what is true. Okay, here we are. We're people and we're assume we're Christ followers. So we're, we're people, we're Christ followers, and we're looking for truth. And Paul tells us, speaking to young Timothy, he said, oh, you're looking for truth? Look to the Word of God. Look to the Word of God. You know, teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our culture, and, oh, oh, our, 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 our hearts, our souls, but also our culture. You know, the Word of God will help us see what's wrong in our lives. Yay! But it'll also show us what's wrong with culture. Because see, I've discovered something. Culture, if we're not careful, can be pretty persuasive. They can sound pretty right. They, they can get just enough of sprinkling of the truth with their pile of lies, and it almost makes sense. Be careful of that. And so you go to the Word of God, and then it'll help you realize what is wrong in our lives, in our culture. It corrects us when we are wrong. It will also help correct culture. And it teaches us to do what is right. That's the Word of God. And in the Word of God, listen, the Bible, the Word of God is not binding, it is freeing. The Word of God is not bondage, it is freeing. Let me tell you what bondage is bondage is sin. Bondage is when we keep doing the same stupid thing over and over again, sinning, we know it's wrong, we do it over and over again. That's bondage. It leads to shame. It leads to guilt. It leads to chains. Along comes the word of God and speaks the truth. We choose to obey it. We choose to apply it. And it sets us free. It sets us free. Um, I'm not a big quoter of Beth Moore. No particular reason. Don't misread that. I just don't quote her very much. But she said something I think is pretty important. She said, we are going... Now, listen. We are going to have to let truth scream louder into our souls than the lies that have infected us. She is right. There is a shouting match going on. And truth, we need to let truth scream into our souls because the enemy is screaming lies and we have to, I like her word, we have to let truth scream louder than the lies that infected us. What are you going to listen to? Who are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to this false truth? Are you going to listen to this relative truth that culture is throwing? Or will you have the courage to believe the word of God? Finally, truth is the Holy Spirit. Truth is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is truth. In John 15, 26, Jesus says this, I will send you the advocate. 
Now, the word, and again, I don't know too many Greek words. I, I struggle with English. But the word is parakletos. Parakletos. It means one of the same kind. It means one called alongside. So when Jesus said, I will send you the parakletos, he said, I'm going to send you one like me. And as I have walked with you, he will walk with you. So I'm going to send the parakletos. The, guess what it is? The spirit of what? Truth. How about that? The spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. So again, as we journey through this twisted culture, we've got, we've got, we've got Jesus is truth. Okay, the way, the truth, and the life. We've got the Word of God, which is not doesn't contain truth. It is truth. And then we've got the Holy Spirit living in us, and He's the Spirit of truth. What's the deal? We've got a salvation experience with the King of the universe. He's given us His perfect, revealed Word, and we've got the Holy Spirit. Listen, with those three for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? I will send you the advocate, the Holy Spirit of truth, and he will come to you and from, from the Father and will testify all about me. I love it. What Jesus said in John 14, 17. He said, listen, he, he is with you, speaking of himself, and he will be in you. And that was after Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit comes to live with every true follower of Jesus Christ. All right. Let me give you, let me give you a, a great promise, a great truth, and a great quote. And we're, we're going to die. we're going to be done. First off, the great promise. This is this is John sixteen thirteen, the first part. John sixteen thirteen, the first part. When the Spirit of Truth comes, Spirit of what? Isn't that amazing? Comes up over and over and over again. When the Spirit of Truth comes, He will guide you where? Into all truth. So the Holy Spirit wants to be your guide. The Holy Spirit wants to be your guide. And he is going to guide you in truth. And so when it gets more and more muddled, when culture gets more and more muddled, and well, this is my truth, and that's my truth, and the White House says that's my truth, and Springfield says that's my truth, and all this messed up truth, you've got the Holy Spirit. And he will guide you into all truth. Isn't that great? Isn't that good? Okay, secondly, secondly, here's the great truth. The truth is... God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are truth. It's great truth. You need to understand the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are truth. Are truth. You know, there's a scripture that says, you know, God is not a man that he can lie. He's truth. The truth is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are truth. And this I like. And truth is truth if no one believes it. Well, Dwayne, what if, all the, what if all the people in America say that ain't true? It's still true. Amen. What, if, what, if, what if culture says this is just a made-up book of myths? It's not true. What about that, Dwayne? It's still true. Amen. It's still true. Truth is truth if no one believes it. And a lie is a lie even if everyone does. If all of culture believes a lie, it's, listen, it never becomes truth. It is a lie. The final quote is this. It's from 
Han Haas. Therefore, faithful Christian, brothers and sisters, Facebook, the radio, faithful Christians, seek the truth. Listen to the truth. Learn the truth. And Jesus said this one, love the truth. Tell or speak the truth. And defend the truth, even to death. It has crossed my mind. How many great patriots died that we would have this freedom we enjoy today? They were willing to put their lives on the line and die. Hans Haas says, are you willing to die for the truth? They died for our freedoms. Are you willing to die for truth? Judy and I just started reading a book about Voice of the Martyrs. And it's just an amazing story of people who are willing to die for what they believe for. Now, folks, whether nothing changes as far as, you know, the culture and stuff, we should be willing. We should have that mindset. God, I am willing to die for the truth. We should have that mindset. So today, this is one day you got the gospel. You heard clearly that the wages of sin is death and that every person has sinned and that Jesus went to a Roman cross so that people like you and me could have their sins paid for and receive the gift of eternal life. And it's my privilege to stand down front today with Brent gone. I'll be down front. I'd like to invite you um, to come. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you want to know more about it, we'll do our very best to answer your questions. The best decision that I made was, was now 55 years ago. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful truth. God has been faithful. God has been true. Then, for the rest of us, our culture needs us to believe the truth. Our culture needs us to believe the truth. They need to hear the truth. They need to hear the truth in grace. You don't need to be a bully about this. But you need to love them just like, just like Jesus would do. Just like Jesus would do. Go and share the truth with them, with them that they might be saved and forgiven. Um, Brother Dave's going to lead us in a song. The altar is going to be open. If you'd like to come down and pray, um, I'll be glad to pray with you. Some of our folks will pray with you. Um, again, if there's a decision you need to make, if you'll stop and see me, I'll be glad to help you any way I can. So why don't we stand to our feet. God, thank you so very, very much for being so good and so faithful and so true. Thank you for this truth today, Father. God, help us to love the truth. Help us to love the truth. Help us to be willing to stand for the absolute truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, that it's narrow, that there is but one way to heaven. But I thank you that it's broad in the sense that you invite all to come and be forgiven. Thank you for that. So this time is your time. Speak to the hearts of people. In Jesus, I pray in your precious name.